Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. If I don't know you, my name is Josh Barnett. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about communion. Um, I, I, I really feel it laid on my heart that we are supposed to take communion as a family, as a body of believers this morning. And so that's what we're, that's what we're going to do. But I, I want to... Um, I want to teach on it. People know it as Holy Communion, the Lord's Table, the Lord's Supper, the, the Eucharist. Um, but I want, to, I want to teach on it for a few minutes so that we have an understanding and a revelation of communion this morning. That it's not just a small religious exercise that we go through, but it is intimate and it is holy and it is sacred. And, and, and we need the fundamental understanding that the body and the blood is what give us access to the very throne room of God. It's what gives us access to the very throne room of God to be actually encounter and experience God this morning in church together was bought and paid for by the body and the blood of Jesus. Amen. So, and I know oftentimes we come into settings like this and you immediately hear stuff like this and you, our, our hearts posture in a place of I know this or I know that. Don't let your heart get there today. Because as we're going to see is that Jesus said, as often as you meet together, do this in remembrance of me. And so it's not a religious exercise. It's, it's intimate communion and fellowship with our Lord and Savior. Um, th- there's, there's a verse in Leviticus that talks about not allowing the blood to grow cold on the altar. Do not allow this to grow cold in your heart. We've got to, it says to keep the blood warm, to keep the fire going, and we have instruction this morning to keep the fire going as it concerns to worship, the preaching of the word, the taking of communion. Go, the, we're not just going through, although we are going through emotions, we're not going through them without a heart posture of, Lord, I'm here to do this again, to remember you, to remember you. The very first place we see communion take place is actually in Genesis chapter 14, when Abraham meets Melchizedek. He meets Melchizedek, this king priest. He's just come back from war with five kings, and he meets this, Melchizedek is such a mysterious figure, and Hebrews tries to explain a little bit, but there's still a lot of mystery surrounding Melchizedek, but he's this king priest that Abraham comes in contact with, and Hebrews says that he has no end of days, so it's like this Christophany that we have on earth, this revelation of Jesus on earth, and, and, uh, and it says that Melchizedek brings him food, Brings him bread and wine. And then after the bread and wine takes place, then Abraham gets this revelation of, I'm supposed to bring a tithe to you. I'm supposed to bring 10% of everything that I have is going to be yours, which I think is so cool. That's why we have communion elements available every Sunday right next to the baskets in which we give in. Because when we get the revelation of how good and how incredible and how amazing our king priest Jesus is, it's, Lord, I am now giving to you. And yes, it's a tithe, yes, we give a tithe, but the tithe is significant of everything I have is yours, Lord. Everything I have is yours, Lord. And it's so cool because Jesus didn't tithe himself to us, but all he asked for in return is a tithe of our finances and our resources and our first fruits, which is so cool. And so that's why we do that. That's why these things are done together uh, in our church services. And so it's, it's a really, really cool uh, thing. So you, but you leave from there and you get to Exodus and you have the Passover meal, um, which was type and shadow of the communion meal. 
And at the, with the, at the first Passover in Exodus 12, it was the last of the 10 plagues to free the Israelites from the Egyptians. And God begins to go through this instruction of you're going you're gonna to take a one-year-old lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Uh, you're going to kill it. You're going to drain all of its blood into a basin. You're going to take hyssop. You're going to paint that on the doorpost. And then you're going to consume the whole lamb. <laughs> you're going to eat the entire lamb. You're, and if, you can't, if your family can't eat it, invite friends over and eat it all or burn it. And so w- we see there that we don't, just, we don't just get part of Jesus. We have to consume all of Jesus. We, we take him all in, just not the parts that we like about him. Which, which actually, when you begin to consume the lamb and you begin to see that God passed over you because of the blood, you want to then consume the whole lamb because he's worthy of consuming the whole thing. Um, but it's so cool because they, they apply the blood to their doorposts, and then God says, <laughs> I will see the blood, and I will pass over you. <sighs> right? That makes my, my heart trembles when I read that. I will see the blood, and I will pass over. And, and here's what I believe, even as we do this this morning, is that some of you need to come into agreement with God's, with God's perception of the blood. Because it doesn't matter what you think about the blood, it matters what God sees when he looks at the blood. All through the, all through the Old Covenant, whenever they would bring in their animals to be sacrificed, the priest only inspected the sacrifice. He did not inspect the worshiper. When you come in this morning, you have not been inspected. The blood of Jesus was inspected. You hear me? Okay. So, but I love this. He says, I will pass over you and I will execute judgment against the gods of the Egyptians. That's the power of the blood. That's the power of the blood that he not only passes over you, that, that he brings us from death to life into his new kingdom, but he also goes and he defeats our enemies for us. He executes judgment against our enemies for us. Okay, so, and listen, the body and the blood of Jesus have a much greater effect than the body and the blood of a lamb. A much greater effect. So every enemy, every God of this world has been defeated. They are in condemnation. They have already, judgment has already been executed against them. They're already defeated. Come on. Lust, greed, envy, pride, all of it has been defeated. Do you hear me? Cancer, sickness, viruses, diseases, defeated. Come on. Okay. So you go from the Passover, and you, they, they celebrated the Passover every single year, which, in my goodness, there's so many types and shadows in the Passover celebration, the Passover festival, the Passover meal. It's, it's, it's incredible. And it's a lot to explain, so I'm not going to go into it this morning. But I want you to know, I look at that and I read that and I think, thank God I don't have to do that anymore. (sighs) I am so thankful that Jesus replaced the Passover with the Last Supper because he made it so much more simple. And if you just do a study on the Old Covenant and the the sacrificial system, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, man. (laughs) He made it so much more simpler. So I'm going to read to you. Uh, it's found in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22. I'm going to read Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. Jesus says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood, which confirms the new covenant 
between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So let's talk about this communion, which we do it in these little, we have it in these little cups. And uh, it's supposed to be juice and a little uh, little cracker, unleavened wafer there. But, uh, uh, you know, these are so old, sometimes it tastes like it's wine, a little, little <laughs> fermented. So don't drink too many of these and then drive home, okay? Just do one, just in case, just in case. I don't think we follow the expiration on these, so just in case. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, but I want to talk about, I'm going to give you, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you five reasons this morning. Five reasons why we take communion. Five, five, uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Five reasons what communion's for. Number one, number one, we do it to remember him. We do it to remember him. It is the continual remembrance of the sacrifice of his atoning death. And so as we do it in remembrance of him, what it's supposed to do is stir up worship in our hearts, stir up thanksgiving in our hearts, honor, reverence, and even stir us remembering what he did. It should stir us into good works. It should stir us into good works, right? Because we don't get saved by our works. It's because of his body and blood that we are saved. And I remember what he did. I want to do everything for him, right? And so it's not, I'm doing it to earn his love. I'm doing it because he loves me. It should stir us to good works through this remembrance. And, and this remembrance is a command, it's not optional. It's a command. Jesus tells us to remember him as a command. It's not optional. This remembrance entails the use of tangible elements, bread and wine, because it's not enough to simply say remember or simply talk about remembering, but he gives us this as a, as a tool for our carnal minds to understand that we constantly need to remember, not just talk about remembering, but actually doing something that helps us remember. The elements of the bread and wine are given to stir our minds and our hearts, and it's a personal remembrance for each one of us. We are to remember Jesus. The focus isn't on Abraham or Moses or Isaiah. The focus is no longer on the Jewish Passover or the night of his betrayal or on anything else. The focus is on Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his his enthronement. Why do we take this today? Because he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. The Spirit of God went into the tomb and it raised his flesh again. It raised his flesh to life. He conquered death. He went into death. He went into the afterlife. He went into Sheol. He went into Hades and he took the keys and he came forth conquering death. So even death has lost its sting because he is the first. Listen, everybody else that's been resurrected in the history of the world died again, save for Jesus. He's the firstborn among the dead. So guess who else rises from the dead because he rose from the dead? All of us. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. So even in death, the enemy is defeated. Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's why we don't mourn the way the world mourns because even in death, it's, man, punching the enemy in the face, dude. (laughs) Every time a saint dies, he loses in this remembering, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It's not merely an ordinate. What's so cool about it is in remembering his death, life, death, and resurrection and, and taking the body and the blood is because it's not just remembering the past. It's hope for the future. It's a remembrance of the past that it's 
hope for the future. And, and, and I remember in, and in my first resurrection, being saved from death to life, being, being brought into salvation, it stirs me up in hope that there is hope for every man and woman across the globe to experience new life. How do I know that people can be set free and brought into new life? Because I was. And I remember where he brought me from, from death to life. I know that he can bring you from death to life as well. Woo. Okay, so number one is to remember him. Number two is to nourish us. Why do we take the body and the bread? To nourish us. The body and the blood, the bread and the wine. Now, obviously, you have to eat a lot of these to get full. So, like, you know, it's not a snack. <laughs> You're still going to be hungry after you have this today, so go eat the pot roast when we're done, all right? But, but it's the, the physical action of eating and drinking it reminds us that we are to spiritually ingest and depend on Jesus and the saving benefits of his life, death, and resurrection. So just as food and drink are essential to sustain our physical existence, so also the blessings and benefits that come to us through the body and the blood of Christ are paramount to our spiritual flourishing. So, and so that answers the question, why is it a meal? Why is it bread and wine? Why is it the body and the blood, because it's a constant reminder that we always have to eat. You are what you eat, physically and spiritually. You are what you eat, and so it's an easy way to remember. It's a reminder that we need to eat him daily. You think about the Israelites, whenever manna fell from heaven, they, could on, they were only allowed to gather enough for one day, and if they gathered more than enough, it would spoil. What does that show us? It shows us that we, that he's the body, he's manna from heaven, we are to live in relationship with him daily, not just once a week. You don't, you don't get like, you're, it doesn't last until tomorrow. Now, yes, you are saved, but I want to let you know it nourishes your mind, soul, body, and spirit as you partake in this communion of his body and his bread every single day. It nourishes your spirit. And that's what's so cool that it's not, it's not a statue that we build which building a Jesus statue, that's totally fine, but like it's not a statue that we build or an idol or a graven image that we walk by and remember. It's actually like where we just look because you become used to like, you become used to those things, right? You become used to like, I, I, I think about this, you think about the building that you're in right now. And those of you who have been here for several years now, we've been in the, the whole building for like six, seven years. And so it just becomes mundane, right? Okay, I'm used to it. But the first time you came in, it was like, whoa, like this is amazing, right? Those of you, when we used to have, uh, uh, we used to have church in the gym during the summer, golly, Lord, come quickly, right? <laughs> come quickly, especially when Paul was preaching back in the day, and it'd be like, you know, 130, and be like, Lord, come, I'm kidding, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm worse than he is now. <laughs> But, but, and so then when we moved into the building, it was like, wow, this is awesome. And now we just kind of, you know, take it for granted. And so the same thing is like with the statue, it's like you just kind of take it for granted. But what do you love to do every day? Eat good food. I love a good steak never gets old to me. <laughs> never gets old, right? It's true. I thought I'd get more amens on that one, but. But so that's why it's a meal. That's why we eat it. It's because it's a constant reminder that we need to be nourished by him every single day. Jesus says in John chapter six, well, and listen to this too. This is so cool. Um, all of humanity, we were cursed by a meal from a tree. 
and all of humanity is redeemed by a meal. This is the tree of life. He is the tree of life. They, God had to remove Adam and Eve because he, he said if they eat of the tree of life, they'll live forever. Guess what we get to do now when we partake? We get to live forever. Oh, man, that's so cool. John chapter 6, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is food indeed, and my, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead, but he who eats this bread will live forever. Come on. And Jesus is showing his disciples that we can have closer communion and intimacy with him than we ever thought possible, that we have closer access to him than we ever thought possible. He's showing us that he desires to be in us. That's so cool. Don't take that for granted. It, the God of the universe desires to make his dwelling place on the inside of you. Did he mean literally eat his flesh? Like come up and take a bite out of his arm? No, right? Did he literally like cut a vein open and pour a tap? Like no, like that's not what he meant. And, 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 and it's gross and it offended many people listening because they didn't hear with their, their spiritual ears. They were trying to understand with a physical hearing. So it's, that's why he says, he who has ears, let him hear and understand. And so are you listening with your spiritual ears that he wants us to intake him and digest him because whatever we fill ourselves with is what we become. He wants us to fill ourselves with him so that we become one with him. His body and his blood are spiritual food. There's a hunger in our, in our spirits that can only be satisfied with his body. So cool that Jesus departed from the Father to become a man. He became our Passover lamb. And like I said earlier, we no longer have to celebrate Passover, but he is our Passover lamb. We celebrate now by taking communion. He's the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He came to bring us back into relationship with him. He provides atonement at one with him. He brings us into communion, co-union with him, relationship. He wants us to receive him and consume him. Number three, number three, we, the reason we take communion is to proclaim him, to proclaim him. First Corinthians, I'm using my phone because my Bible's in a million, it's falling apart. Every time I open it, pages fall out. In a, a First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says, I've handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to disciples and said, take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same with a cup of wine after supper and said, this cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it, and whenever you drink it, do it to remember me. Whoever, uh, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. That's so cool. So as we take communion, we're proclaiming to the world about his life, death, and resurrection. That's incredible. How do you, you want to preach the gospel? Take communion. Take communion. You, you have people in your home that don't know the Lord? Make it a habit to after you eat supper, after you eat dinner, take communion. And tell them we, we do this because this isn't just like a Sunday morning only thing. You can take this all the time as much as you want. 
three times a day, seven days a week if you want to. Or you can just take it once on Sunday. There's no like, Jesus, Jesus said, as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. So you can do it as much as you want to. Just don't let it become like a re- little religious thing, but you can take it often. We, we take it at my, at my house quite a bit, um, but, but it's, it's funny because, and it doesn't have to be uh, grape juice and, and bread or wine and bread or whatever you use. Um, it, it's not about what elements you use. It's just, it's about that he's the center of it, that he's the focus of it. Because we've got uh, grape juice in our fridge and um, it, they, the kids know that it's, this is the blood of Christ. But um, sometimes I come and they, a lot of the blood is gone. And I'm like, who's been break, drinking the blood of Jesus, right? It's like, well, I was thirsty, Dad. And it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, like, we've used water and Cheez-Its before. Use what you got. And I want to even encourage everybody watching our live stream today. I want, I'm, I'm going to want them to take it as well. And if you don't have an unleavened cracker and grape juice, uh, just grab something. Grab a liquid and something that's like bread um, <laughs> and take it with us. But, but every time we eat it, we're proclaiming the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, and we're proclaiming his coming again. We're proclaiming our union with him now and our marriage to him in the coming kingdom. And so we're supposed to take this until he comes in remembrance of his death that brought us salvation and that one day our salvation will be complete. This is a form of worship. It is not to be a religious ceremony. It's always to remind us of his great love and it brings us in union with him. We are proclaiming the gospel every time we eat it. We are proclaiming life and life more abundant. We are proclaiming his salvation. We are proclaiming our forgiveness of sins. We are proclaiming new creation. Number four, number four, why do we take it? What's the reason for it? Number four, to receive what he's paid for. To receive what he's paid for. What did he pay for? Relationship with him. What did he pay for? Forgiveness of our sins. What did he pay for? Healing. Healing for our bodies, our souls, our minds. He paid for healing. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. He paid for new life. New life. A new life. A new plan. A new purpose for you. A new destiny for you. New life. Resurrection life. He paid for heaven on earth. You have to know that the body and the blood of Jesus convey the benefits of the sacrifice to us. It is by his stripes we are healed. What he paid for 2,000 years ago is available for you, to, for you to cash today. Today. And I believe that as we take it today, that some of your bodies are going to be healed. Some of your minds are going to be healed. I believe that there are relationships in this room that are going to be healed and mended. I believe as we drink the blood today, we're gonna plead it over some prodigals. I believe that there are gonna be prodigals that come home because we plead the blood over them today. When people say, well, what if I take it and I don't get healed? Take it again tomorrow. Some of us put more faith in medicine than we do in the body and blood of Jesus. I'm not anti-medicine, take your medicine, but, but have you ever been given antibiotics and the doctor says take this for like, you know, 10 days and you've taken it for like four and you stop because you start feeling better? Just me. <laughs> I don't need these, I don't gotta take these horse pills every day, I feel good now, right? And then you stop taking them and then what happens? You get sick again. 
It comes back. It comes back worse sometimes, right? <laughs> and so it's like, okay, just focus on every day. Lord, I'm going to put my faith. I'm going to put my faith. Listen, God always responds to obedience. He always responds. So when we obey in the natural, it brings about supernatural results. And so put faith in the body and the blood of Jesus and just take it every single day. So number four was to receive what he paid for. Number five, number five, it renews us in love and unity with the church. It renews us in love and unity with the church. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16 and 17 says, When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing, sharing, sharing in the, bl in the blood of Christ? And when we break the, the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body, one body. Taking this indicates and promotes the communion of believers with Christ, but it also represents our mutual communion with each other, with each other. When we take the bread and the body of Christ, it unites us around the main thing, the main thing. And so I believe as we take this today, that it is going to restore relationships in this room. Because, and I'm, I'm, I'm not naive. I know that there are some people in this room that you cannot stand somebody that's sitting on the other side of the room. And you know exactly where they're sitting. And you would never, you wouldn't sit by them if they were the last person in here. That's not the way that the body is supposed to operate. When we talk about loving your enemies, if you think about somebody that is part of the church, you're thinking about the wrong people. <laughs> enemies are not other believers. <laughs> enemies are not other believers. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be besties with anyone, but like as you drink this today, examine, is there any offense on the inside of you? Is there anything that you need to forgive? And listen, oftentimes we get offended at things that, are, that were not sin against you. They just had a different opinion. That's, that's so silly and petty. Because, listen, in this, and, and, and Paul rebukes him for that in 1 Corinthians, 13, or 1 Corinthians 11. It's like some of y'all, you're eating over here, you're rich, and these people are hungry, and these people are poor, and you got your little cliques, and you're all spread out. And, you, and he's like... <laughs> He tells them, like, I don't even know what to say. It's not how the body's supposed to be, right? Since when can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? That's not how the body's supposed to be. Jesus prayed in John 17, Lord, I pray that they would become one like you and I are one. Woo! Not just, Lord, I pray that those who like each other would become one, or those who look like each other would become one, or those who make the same amount of money or are in the same business or in the same socioeconomic class would become one, that they, my disciples, would become one, and the world would know they are mine by the way they love one another. Woo! And so as we take this today, all those things, differences of opinion, unforgiveness, bitterness, all those things should just melt away because we're centered around the main thing. And here, you are no longer Jew nor Greek nor male, nor female. 
nor slave, nor free. You are in Christ. We are in Christ. And we all eat of the same body and the same blood. And so let's forget everything this morning except for Christ and him crucified. Amen? Woo. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says that we should eat this as often as we meet together. It's not just bread and it's not just juice. It's his body and his blood. It's so much more than cracker and a juice. This is the body and blood of our Savior, Jesus. I'm not saying it. He did. So he says, this is my body. What does that mean? I don't know. Because <laughs> it looks like a cracker. And he says, this is my blood. What does that mean? I don't know. Because it just tastes like nasty juice. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but there's a mystery in it. And what, here's, what I, here's what I know that it means is that he's in it. And he's with us today. And this is, a, this is one of the most intimate things that we can do with him. This is one of the most special ways that we can worship him. And so when I think about communion, my heart begins to shake. And so when I think about this, man, I don't want to just do it on Sunday morning. I want to do it every day. I want to do it every day because I want to feel this close to him every day. Church is a place that you're supposed to experience and encounter the Lord. And this is a way that we can experience and encounter him on a whole nother level. Amen? We should have the same reverence with our communion cup as we're as if he were right here because he is right here in this let's talk about the body for a second every time i take the cracker out i break it because he breaks the bread when he took the bread he broke it why did he break it to symbolize no one takes his life he lays it down he lays it down he gave thanks for it. He gave thanks for his broken body. He gave thanks for what was about to happen to him. For his body that was about to be bruised and broken on the cross. He thanks God for the privilege of dying for humanity. He said it was broken. He hands it to his broken for you and you and you and you and you and you and you. Is broken for all of us. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was broken for you. The bread is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, in the breaking of the body, it breaks the effects of sin off of your life. Do you hear me? It breaks the effects of sin off your life because he took our cares, our sins, our worries, our sicknesses, our diseases, our, our shame, our guilt, our sorrow, our anguish, our death on his body. And when he died, they died. Hmm. I feel like I'm about to explode. As we take this, we are proclaiming that we are crucified with him. That no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. As we take this, as we take this today, we receive the healing that he paid for with his body. By his stripes, we are healed. His broken body brings us healing. This is much more than symbolic. It's not a magic pill, just like in Jesus' name is not a magical prepositional phrase. In Jesus' name means that you are in him and he is in you. What does that mean? I don't know, but it's a great mystery. 
And so as I take this bread and I break it, and is it a cracker or is it the body? I don't know, but he's, he's in it, man. He's all, he's all in it. It's communion with him. It's becoming one with him. It's yielding to him. It brings healings to our bodies, our spirits, our souls, our minds, our emotions. It brings wholeness. And so as you take it today, declare healing over your body as if it's happening while you take it. Declare healing over your family, over your marriage, over your enemies. Why? That they may know his goodness because you too were once an enemy of God. Hey, we forget about that. God, just go get all those evil doers. So were you. But you've been given new life. What's the blood for? The juice or the wine. It's the blood of our Jesus. It breaks the power of sin. The blood is what makes atonement. It brings life to the body that we eat. It is the new covenant that God has made with man. That he made this new covenant with his own blood. Read about every other God in history. And they required the blood of people. Not our God. He used his own blood. He used his own blood. This blood, listen, this blood, it is the most powerful thing in the whole universe. It's more powerful than the weapons of man. What's going on in Israel right now? One lamb is enough. One lamb is enough. It's more powerful than weapons, diseases, viruses, curses, rebellion. It breaks off generational curses. You no longer have the blood of your mother or your father. You have the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through your veins. Come on. This blood is, this is freedom in a cup, man. This is freedom in a cup. It's more powerful than any addiction. Any addiction is more powerful than pornography. It's more powerful than sexual addiction. It's more powerful than drug addiction, than alcohol addiction. It's more powerful than anything. Break it off your life right now in Jesus' name. Come on. Woo! It's for my past sins, my current sins, and my future sins. It has the power to deal with all the sins of the world. This blood speaks a better word. It speaks a better word than any other word spoken over my life. It has the power to completely set me free. It, it renders every demonic assignment against my life powerless. This blood gives us access to the very throne room of God. Access to his presence. It made a way for us to become the, the temple, man. We are the holy of holies now. No longer does the priest have to go in and sprinkle the blood seven times just so he can enter. Jesus Christ went into the throne room, and it's by his blood that you have been sprinkled, and the Holy Spirit entered you. Hear me, this is a word for somebody. Quit waiting on the third temple to be built. You're the third temple. It's already been built. It's you. The Holy Spirit of God is on the inside of you. Oh, my goodness. As you take the blood today, remember every precious drop that poured from Jesus. Every time we take it as a family, we ask God that he would reveal any sin that we're living in. We confess it. We ask for forgiveness of it. We thank him that we didn't have to get it all together. I'm so thankful that he didn't ask for behavior modification. 
so that I could come in. I'm so thankful that his blood transformed me from the inside out. It transformed me from the inside out. So ask God to forgive you. Reveal any sins that you may be, may be unaware of. And then we ask, because we believe this is powerful. We ask that as we drink and partake of his blood, that he would empower us to overcome our future temptations. He overcame so that we could overcome. Plead the blood of Jesus over your family. One lamb covered a whole family. The blood is enough. It is sufficient. And, and just a, a, I'm not going to go there, but in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul gives a warning about people who are coming in and taking of the Lord's Supper, and they're getting sick and some dying because they're taking the Lord's Supper. But the reason that that's happening is because they are, they, a few things, they're trying to mix the communion of the Lord with the communion of demons. They were trying to mix worship. Um, another thing is that they were, they were making a sacred thing profane. They were taking it lighthearted. They were taking it uh, um, in, in a way where they didn't keep it sacred, or, or they were taking it and they didn't even believe in it. Listen, I'm asking you today that if you don't believe in Jesus, don't take this. It's, I'm, nothing against you. I'm praying, that, I'm praying that God would open your eyes. I'm praying that God would open your eyes. But because this, there's something here that's spiritual. And Judas, the devil didn't feel Judas until after he took communion. But also, when Jesus had the, when he had the Lord's table with the men on the road to Emmaus, it was after they took communion that their eyes were opened. So I'm just asking you, if you take this today, take it in the right heart. You don't, some people are like, well, do I have to be perfect to take it? No, because it's the very elements that make you worthy to take them. And again, God's not looking at you. He's looking at the blood of the lamb. Okay. Just put your faith in his perception of the blood, not your own. Lord, we're so thankful for your body and your blood. We're so thankful, Lord, that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son from heaven to earth. while we were sinners, while we were enemies of you, that you sent your son Jesus to save us, to redeem us from our sin, to give us a brand new start, to make us a new creation, and then to invite us into building your kingdom, God. What incredible grace, what incredible forgiveness, Lord. We're so thankful that your blood speaks a better word, that your blood speaks a better word than our sin ever did, that your blood speaks a better word and is more powerful than any demon and devil in hell. Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, and we say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, our great high priest, our great sacrifice. We glorify you in this place, Jesus. We set you first on our hearts, Lord. We enthrone you, we magnify you. The name that is above every other name, 
we bow before you this morning, Lord. We surrender our lives to you. We surrender our hearts to you. Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. God, as we leave this place, that we would shine bright for you. That we would be a city on a hill. That our lives and our words would proclaim the goodness and the greatness of our God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful that we've been justified, that we've been sanctified, that we've been glorified. We're so thankful for your salvation. We're thankful that you turn we're so thankful that you turn our sorrow over our sins into joy, into rejoicing of being forgiven. The words of that song, the blood keep going off in my spirit of, does anybody wanna be holy? Does anybody want to be purified? Does anybody want to be justified? Really living, let me tell you, it was only by the blood. And if you're in this place today, you're in this place today and you have not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, and you're hearing all this stuff and it sounds kind of crazy, I want to encourage you, all it takes, all it takes is just a simple prayer, just a simple prayer putting your faith and your trust in him. You don't make him the Lord of your life. He's already Lord. You just have to surrender to his Lordship. Just put your faith in his name. Receive forgiveness of sin. Let that go off in your spirit. Does anybody wanna be made holy, purified, justified? I love that word justified. Just as if I had lived like him. Just as if I had never sinned. That's what justification is. There is an accuser of the brethren, but his accusations have all been made null and void by our Savior Jesus. And so when the Lord looks at you, he looks at you just as if you had lived like Jesus. He looks at you just as if you had never sinned. How? Only by the blood. Only by the blood. I think church was a success today. I don't ever base success on how many people come or how many people repeat a prayer or how many people got baptized or how worship went or how the word went or how any of that went. You base the success off our church services. Was Jesus glorified today? And man, he was. He was glorified. That's what we gather every Sunday, every Wednesday. Every time we get together, we're gathering around this man, Jesus. Amen. That's it. Let's give God a hand clap. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.